I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are here Wednesday night after UFC 272 with the Cords Brothers. What's up, gentlemen? How we doing? How we doing? Pleasure to be here. Attaboy Country Club. Welcome. Good to hear your voice early and often. So... We're going to recap 272, so we're going to do the recap as usual, news and notes, and then parlay it over into this card. We had a big green week, Dan, that, that's for sure. Uh, what's your official units of profit? I think it was like 5.98, somewhere hovering around that six. Attaboy, attaboy. I had 5.13, which is big. And then we also ran our first giveaway of many over on Twitter, so... All we did, and I guess we could run it on all of our socials, but every fight night, we're going to drop a tweet of some sort. And all you got to do is like and follow the ankle pick account over on Twitter. And you uh, must be following. So if we pull your name from the like tweet and you're not following, we pull someone else. And retweets get you two entries. How about that? From now on, sure. I already did. We already drew last week, but for now sure. on, retweets get two entries. And the the big thing about this one is it's for a UFC Panini Prism debut pack that has like the Comzat rookies in it, the Gilbert Burns rookies in it, the Askar Askarov rookies in it. So it's a good pack, and we talk about cards all the time. Maybe one day we'll be able to uh, give away some NF UFC Strike too, potentially. Um, so. That's in the pipeline, so just go follow us on Ankle Pick Pod, and, and we'll be running giveaways pretty much weekly, or whenever there's a fight card, we're going to try to do it. Also, working on our TikTok presence as well. I, I've been somewhat active over there, so go follow that at Ankle Pick Pod for some videos of my ugly mug and some UFC content as well. Okay, so let's start with the recap of UFC 272. It was a great card, all in all, up and down. I think the best part of the card was the fact that we were so green. Uh, 5.13 from me, 5.9 from you. Great stuff. So we're going to try to touch up on some of these here. First one for me being the Dustin Jacoby, Michelle Olziacek. Uh, good news and bad news from this one. Good news is we hit. We both love Justin Jacoby. Dustin Jacoby, we both played it. Both won unanimous decision. Bad A little news, bit more shaky than I thought it would be, though. That's what I was going to say. Bad news is I don't think it went how we taped it to go. Uh, how, Definitely how not. Expo- the kickboxer yeah. and Dustin Jacoby throwing one kick over the course of 15 minutes was not how I thought this fight was going to go. I don't know if he hurt something or if – I mean, that is how uh, Ola Jaychuk was able to get him to the mat in that first – he caught the first kick and then um, – had some good control time because of it. I don't know if that factor scared him, but for some reason, Dustin just stopped throwing kicks. Yeah. He, so he said in the post-fight interview that it was actually in, an injury in camp. And that's what sucks is we could, we never could see that coming, but yeah. Kickboxer taped for him to work those leg kicks, use his size. And it, it was a nail biting decision, but it was unanimous. So whew, we were definitely live dogs at the end of the first, but we came back and, you know, Michelle Olziacek is confusing because he's a guy who 
could easily be fighting at middleweight, chooses to kind of take, because his frame is middleweight, chooses to keep a little extra weight on there and then gassed in, in the first round. So I don't know. He's a phenomenal striker, but interesting approach. And I wonder if he will take a Kevin Holland approach soon, um, which I'm excited to talk about as well. Okay. Ludovic Klein beat Devontae Smith. Mentioned in this one, it was a split decision. I was on Twitter about how I, I had a 29-28 Devontae Smith, and you replied to that being like, you are biased, you crazy person. I, I was sitting there in my living room telling my mother and my girlfriend that I need a bad decision here. I need, I need some judge to just really forget what he saw in the last 15 minutes. Um, and then I hopped on Twitter, and you scored it uh, for – for Devante, we saw, I was like, maybe I'm alive. Who knows? No, in, in hindsight, it was wishful thinking. And then when I saw the split card, I was like, wait, no way. Um, but you, so you, you laid three units, which is not a small play for you by any means. What, because Devonta Smith is a guy that I also love and seemingly continuously get let down by. I don't know why his striking's phenomenal. So I'm going to bring that question to you. You're Devante Smith and, and his camp. What, what happened last weekend? Um, Really, I want to say a lack of discipline. He was unable to stay behind that jab. He was just getting caught and, and kind of allowing Ludovic to control the entire octagon. It feels like, I mean, I don't say this if I'm his camp, but from an outsider, it feels like he almost needs a new gym, a new train, a new head coach, um, someone that's going mean, to put him in a better opportunity to win rounds. He is training though out of Factory X Muay Thai, which we talk about a lot being one of the better camps. One of the things that I think is you find guys, or I've seen it throughout the history of, of mixed martial arts, where you find guys who fall in love with something and they, they only kind of discipline that. I, I think he needs to go to like an American kickboxing Academy or something like that and work on his wrestling and his clinch control and things like that. Because the second Ludovic who fights at 145, mind you put him up against the, the, the cage. That was it. That was it. Mm-hmm. He, he was adamant to stay there. Wasn't taking unders, wasn't rotating over, no wizard, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think it's an approach for him because he could, I, I'm assuming he just drills his boxing all day. Cause that still looks sharp. I maybe fight IQ. I don't know, but 28 years young and two pretty bad losses in a row. I don't know. We'll see moving forward. All right. Here was the dog pick. I played it straight. I don't know if you did, but t- your boy, your best friend, Tim Elliott, with the unanimous decision over to Girul and Bekov. I'm happy about that one. And, and went very similarly to how I described it last week, as far as what the tape showed. I thought after, upon further review, night of, I thought that Tim really impressed me. I thought he did everything to win. Um, Even with the, whatever, grabbing the gloves. I I said, as long as it doesn't get called, do it. Who cares? I agree. Better in a fight. (laughs) Um, Yeah. After further review, I kind of, I thought Tagir won the second and third. I obviously Ooh. won the third, but um, very happy for Tim. Very happy for dog betters like you. Tagir is a guy that just should not have had that minus, what was it, 250 price yeah. next to him. And we talked about that on the pod. Um, I ended up just playing the over, which was a really simple one. But yeah, a lot of green. It's also big because Tim Elliott's the type of guy that like you see him at 17 and 12 and like he always kind of gets stuck at that upper echelon but he is a, a game i mean he went to a unanimous decision with demetrius johnson in his debut like he is a gamer like it's not he's a veteran so that that definitely played into the experience aspect but that was a huge 195 cash early which i liked okay umar and Ragamedov. dan 
round of applause, man. I mean, absolute round of applause. I know Hungry Harry was mentioned as a good find as well. But Nurmagomedov was plus money, right? Or, or minus plus big, money, yeah, plus, plus money 150. to end inside the distance. I tailed you on that. Didn't track it, but I played it just, you know, on my personal time. I know you tracked it, but great pick. And this dude is just, he really is like, it, it reminds me a lot of Islam going through the rankings where he really is just going to crush all of these guys. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no concern about like first and, and Brian Keller is a tough out. Right. I can't even come up with like some kind of whatever transformers ask like, Oh, maybe if they have this guy's striking at Bantamweight weight and this guy's wrestling, like until Piotr Jan, I think that Umar is going to have a fun time climbing the ranks. No, I, I'm inclined to agree. And you put it all, you waited all the way for the champion. I hope there's a little bit more challenge in between there, but yeah, I mean, he's, he can kickbox with the best of them. He can wrestle with the best of them. And he has uh, the jits with the best of them too. So it's kind of remarkable, honestly, but he just rolled right through Brian Keller. All right. Marina Moreau's another person that I picked as a dog. I I got it. I waited too long on it though. I could have got it at 180 earlier in the week. I got it like 150. I think but, this is a good time, though. Or no, I'm going to let you finish first, and then I want to bring up a point. I was just going to say, I, I love this pick, and this played out exactly how I taped it. The only difference is I thought Marina Moreau's path to victory was going to be more clinch control going into a unanimous decision, but she actually ripped off the arm triangle, which is which just made me that much happier. And but, props to... Agapova for fighting out of those first couple subs. I thought this fight was going to end like really early and ended up going into the second, but yeah, Marina Moroz looked really impressive. Um, I did want to mention Kobe and I, Kobe did this this week um, because we were talking about it during 272 about a track page with just the science. Mm. One unit, every woman's dog for the calendar year. Kobe, where do we sit? Did you guys do it? We haven't, we haven't actually bet him, but I did the math. No. Wow. Okay. Go, go ahead. You're betting one unit of fight. You're up 2.15 units so far in the year. Science, okay. maybe. Okay. Hey, science through the first quarter of the year is working. There's only been 11 fights. Right. And you go There's up. 11 women's fights up, in 2022 so far? Correct. Wow. You go up half a unit this week because we'll get there in a second, but Marina Rodriguez beat Jan Jadon. Right. Which... I mean, split decision, you like that dog price there. Oh, yeah. And especially after that first round, you love that dog price there. Yeah, absolutely. I I ended up laying uh, Rodriguez, and I was definitely schwitzing near the end. But before we get there, I do want to talk about Nick Nergum. Hold on. versus Kennedy and Zekachu. And the reason why is because two judges scored both round one and round two for uh, Nigamaranu. Impossible. And I do not get how. It is absolute blasphemy. It's crazy. We were talking um, the day after the fight, Kobe and I, and remember how long it took for them to tally up those scorecards? Yeah. We were thinking that there might be a, a possibility, and I know that they'll never admit to it and the commission will never find out, but that the judges didn't know which side they were scoring for, or maybe that when they read their scores off and gave them to the commission, something got confused. And then the, cause something had to go wrong for it to take that long to add up three numbers. Right. It makes no sense. And especially because like there's the point deduction, which I get complicates it, but all you have to do is, so if, 
if it's a 10-9 must system, so um, Kennedy can still win the round, lose the point, and it be 9-9, which is the proper Which is what it was. He, he, he annihilated round three. Round two, he also clearly won, in my opinion. So if you wanted to give it 28-28, that's fine. If you wanted to give it 29-27 or whatever, that's fine too. But I do not see how you could score two of the three rounds for uh, Nigga Murano. I do not understand. And I, it is interesting. I was thinking that – I don't know if the commission was just like, well – we scored it, Kennedy, Kennedy, but we think Nigamaranu should win because of the eye poke and they changed it. Like, I don't know, but I thought that they were going to go and say, oh, we made a mistake. And this, because they've done that before. I've seen mm-hmm. it where they actually read off the wrong name, but I, I, they posted a picture of the scorecards on MMA Junkie. You can go and look and see every judge's scorecards. And they truly scored at 10-9 for the first two for Nigamaranu. So crazy. Yeah, I lost two units there. I felt like I taped it right. I I have no oh, – just some crap. Oh, yeah. Okay, so two more fights until the main card. Marina Rodriguez split decision over Zhao Nanyan. Nothing crazy there. I, do you want to add anything? I know Marina's your girl, but um, – Yeah, nothing nothing big to add. Just want to say that it, we, we saw her get tested against a striker, and it didn't go as flying colors as people were saying it would, or as the line suggested. Me included, yeah. Me included. I, I, I was, I mean, I knew Zhao Nanyan was impressive, but it, it, it really shows that when it comes to just straight stand up, those two girls are very, very even. Very, and they're very, very skilled. Yeah, very skilled. Incredible. Um, okay. And then this is the, the capper of the prelims. And I think it's also maybe on this card, one of the bigger storylines because of how impressive he looked. But Jalen Turner, KOTKO's Jamie Malarkey, but it wasn't round two, but he did it in the most dominant. I mean, he was piecing him up the entire round. His front kick looked beautiful, phenomenal at using his range. And Jamie Malarkey is not an easy out by any means. So, yeah, this for, for being 11 and five and, and having a couple losses in the UFC, Jalen Turner, like fight over fight, looks fucking incredible. Like a fight as fight over fight improvement goes, incredible. I really wanted to mention that. I also played that straight, not on site. So something to mention there too, where that, that actually got me a couple like off, off track bets monies. Okay. I was wrong read here. Didn't place it thankfully, but Sergey Spivak just went through Greg Hardy, like a warm knife through butter. ADCC Spivak. And I know that there were a lot of people angry that this got the main card draw instead of like Rodriguez, Yaunan Yan, for example, or Jalen Turner, Jamie Malarkey. And it, it comes down to Greg Hardy being such a big draw because people want to see him suffer or want to see him do well. He's a very polarizing character. But at seven and five in his mixed martial arts career. On a developmental contract. On a developmental contract and on a three-fight skid, all getting getting KO'd in all of them, Tibura, Tuivasa, Spivak, okay? Where... Do you have Greg Hardy's career sit right now? Is he getting pink slipped? Because he's getting main carded on a pay-per-view. So is he enough of a draw where Dana will keep him around? I don't think he'll get pink slipped just from exactly what you said. Um, He's a name people pay attention to. He's a name that casuals pay attention to. Even if you hate him, he puts butts in seats. But I do see him becoming kind of one of these meme fighters. These, uh, 
these guys similar to Alex Caceres, who we'll talk about later, but these Chase Hooper. But Alex Caceres is winning. Alex Caceres is winning. Like, do you think there's a – it's more of like a CM Punk to me. I mean, to an extent. But the question is, how long of a leash does Greg Hardy get? I mean, is he just going to be kind of like a gatekeeper role? Because he's been beating the Maurice Greens, the Jorgen DeCastros, the Juan Adams. Like, he's been beating those versions of of fighters. So does he just sit there kind of at at that, like – Debut I don't know. I don't think he goes anywhere. I think he stops getting ranked fighters. Um, to me, the most impressive thing he's done in his career is are, are the two most impressive things are both in losses. He stunned tied to Abasa and he went to a decision with Volkov. Those are the only two things that have really flat out impressed me. I mean, we've got wins where he's using an inhaler. We've got wins over yeah. people that like to crochet more than they like to fight. We've got, I mean, I just, I'm not impressed. Nor should you be, nor should you be. But so that's where I'm kind of like the question, I guess, around this and not to dive too deep, but how long of a leash does Greg Hardy get? It's not like the reason why he's notable either is like an admirable thing. I mean, it's for him being a piece of shit. So I don't know. I don't see the pink slip here. or I don't think we see the pink slip here. Um, I'd like to see him get knocked out a few more times. I know you do. I know. Don't we all? I mean, no one wants to support that guy for the most part. So that's really where I just wonder how long Dana's going to keep him around after. Because this, like, again, I don't want to dive too deep into it, but he had nothing for him. I mean, he didn't have a single redeeming second in this bout. So I, I don't know. He just is clearly not at the point of wrestling where he needs to be. Last thing on this fight, shout out to our morning live show. Had me add another unit on my under easy money. I love it. Um, Kevin Holland TKOs Alex Oliveira as predicted. Another round of applause for you, Danny, for getting this at minus 200, getting so much value there. Um, and then also in Kevin Holland fashion, he memed at the that when he had that submission and he just thumbs up, I've seen that. doesn't defend it. He's like, I'm good. Yeah, I've seen that picture surfacing around the internet a little bit as a meme. But, yeah, I mean, Kevin Holland looked phenomenal at 170. And I think the real news from this is he looks like he's taking his career significantly more serious. And he can still be a funny draw. He can still do funny things. But I love seeing him cut weight to 170. I love seeing him. I mean, did you see the disappointment after he after he lost first round? I mean, it was like, this is unacceptable. He, he cared. Where mm-hmm. when he fought Vittori and Brunson, you did not see that. He didn't really care. He just was happy. To, not happy, but he was sitting on the bottom and talking to Dana White outside the ring. So I'm loving I'm, – I mean, Kevin Holland's still young. I think he's like 20, 29. I mean, he still has – so he's so young in this sport still. So I'm just excited. I, this was a great sign for me. I'm a bull. I'm buying Kevin Holland here. Speaking of buying, I'm yep. buying Bryce Mitchell. Yep. This is a fight I got so wrong in tape. Um I, I think I said that he had nothing to offer Edson on the feet. Wow. I, I think I might've been more surprised that Edson got dropped than Edson was. Yeah. I, this is, uh, this is the parallel of two stories. I think it's a passing of a torch in a way because not because they have the same style, but dude, Edson, even when he had the butterfly guard, he didn't really use it. I mean, he didn't have make really much effort at all to get off, off his back. I mean, this to me, looked like a defeated 145 pound Edson. Yep. I, I, this is an Edson I've never seen before. This is not the Shane Burgos Edson. You know what I mean? Which so was only, I think what, six months ago? 
I know. I think Edson needs to move to 55 at this point in his career. I think the weight cuts hard. But Bryce Mitchell, I don't want to take away from him. His sound bites in the media are fucking gold. And he didn't even really show off his jits that much. He showed off his top pressure wrestling, which mm-hmm. is great. He and showed his, his improvement. And his takedowns. I said that if Edson could defend his single leg, he'd be fine. There was a lot of chain wrestling. that it was yeah. Levels improved from what we had seen from Bryce Mitchell in the last time out. The other big improvement fight over fight is 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 in strike is in his striking. You can really see a focus. You know he's focusing on it because even just like the sharpness and, and the technicality from from fight over fight in his striking is something that I pulled away for sure. Hundred percent. All right, Colmain, pure domination. I know. So RDA just absolutely annihilated uh, Hoyneta Moicano for five rounds. I want to say. Phenomenal judging, or not judging, uh, refing in the first part for to say, hey, you got you got 60 seconds here to show me you're in this fight or I'm calling it, even if you're on your feet. I love that. Moicano's a guy that is just too damn tough for his own good. What was the but, deal with this line, though? Minus 165? It was wild. a one in front of this shit? Wild. We were talking Clear. the whole week about how one guy had been preparing for – a fight of 25 minutes and the other one had been at the buffet eating sushi. Like, what are we doing? I think what it was, was what made me apprehensive at first. Thankfully I talked to my dank wagers and I ended up settling down. And I think I placed two units on it, maybe three actually, but it's the fact that he was on such a skid, you know, two and six and or two and four in his last six. And albeit against the upper echelon, but like, People get nervous. Oh, does the 36-year-old still have it or 37-year-old still have it? Clearly, clearly he does. Mm-hmm. And great read, great line, great everything. That was a huge nightcapper there. And the ankle lock moves to 6-1 and one in 2022, 22.78 units, 34 and 14 all time. And fourth place in our competition for those at home wow. keeping track. This is true. It's truly incredible. It's free money. It is. Hop in. It is. It really is free money. I mean, if you if you only listen to this for the ankle lock and play only the ankle lock, you're making 22 units in this calendar year just for spending a little bit of time with us. And we're not that bad either. We're cool guys. I mean, we we we, we cool guys. I mean, that's right? technically more units than my track page is up, but I don't do as many five unit plays. Pussy. <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay, and then let's get to the main event quick. The beef was settled. Colby Covington just grinds out uh, Jorge Masvidal for a five-round decision. I mean, the takeaway really to me is just like these guys weren't faking. They really don't like each other. Colby does Colby things, can keep an incredible pace. George was not near the shape he needed to be to contend in this. He was exhausted. And I guess he did rock Colby for a second there. He dropped him to his knees. That was a kind of, it was a very Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz like in that sense, but yeah. And in the exact same sense, he just didn't have the gas tank left to capitalize on it. I mean, it was just like back to me being the nail and you being the hammer. Right. And, and it only gets you. I mean, I don't, are you concerned with Colby's inability to finish? I'm not at all. I really am not. Uh, me neither. Maybe because I'd be other than if I was his manager or, or trying to get him a share of the pay-per-view buys, which I don't believe that he didn't get. I know that it doesn't really matter, but I think that that was all kind of show. I, I, I guarantee who he got pay-per-view points. 
they might be under the table pay-per-view points, but one of the theories I was seeing is that George was refusing to take this fight, didn't want to take the fight. Colby wanted this fight as kind of like not only like a, a teabagging moment, but also just to further his he knew, career. In he knew game. that it was going to be so easy for him. The right. line should have been something like 800. Yeah. And he knew it. Yeah, and he knew it very well. And so he was like, hey, I'll sacrifice pay here because beating a guy like George who – Although he is journeyman George, people know him from that flying knee. People know him from that Darren Till knockout. People know him from the three right pieces. It still of means soda. something. It doesn't mean anything if Jorge goes and gets smoked by like Wonderboy or Gilbert or wh- whoever right. else is kind of in the middle, Leon or even Nate Diaz again. That rematch, I don't know if Jorge's like a massive favorite going in. Colton was smart. Right now, it means something. Yeah. So, anyways, it's a good win. I don't know what the details were, but. All around, 272 was a phenomenal card for me. Making all the money helped. But, I mean, I had a great time Saturday. I hope you boys did too. I've been slacking a little bit. We got fight of the night on Covington Masvidal. Okay. Performance bonuses to Moroz and Holland. Man, Mitchell didn't get one? Nope. Interesting. Yeah, that. do you know what that is right there? That's uh, Dana White trying to convince people to – throw caution to the wind to get finishes like rda Honestly, didn't so get one feedback over holland i would have thought rda didn't get one true rda we talked about the short notice i mean he he, he performed great but moicano wasn't wait wait kobe who were they they were holland and who moroz jalen turner didn't get one a lot of action on this card i i wow just wild altogether. but still Nonetheless, phenomenal card. Definitely got my whistle wet. And Dan, we have a little walking around money, my guy. Maybe we get some ankle pick pod merch. Send it out to some loyal people. I'm game. I'm game. All right, Kobe, this is a good segue point for you to take news and notes. My mouth is parched. All right. Before we get all the way off 272, uh, we had some exciting news come across during the pay-per-view in Khabib Nurmagomedov, the newest inductee to the UFC Hall of Fame. Very well deserved. Um, Undefeated. I mean, he's yeah. a legend. There's no. I no saw bones I was in the mo- I saw I was in the modern wing too, and one. Of, I think that's one of the reasons why that's so fitting too, is because every once in a while you you get people who come in sports who change the way the game's played. Steph Curry in basketball is an example with the three. That is Habib. You you are watching his style that was so successful get implemented throughout the weight classes. Throughout Colby Covington, you like it, Bryce Mitchell. I, I mean, all of those guys, all of those guys. It doesn't even have to be from his like Russian or Dagestan. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm ignoring it's the, all over this Chechen Dagestani invasion. You look at that performance that Bryce Mitchell just had on um, Edson Barbosa. There is no one that's been able to dominate Edson like that since Habib himself. Period. Yeah. So, I mean, I it well deserved and. He definitely has changed the way that I've watched the sport and viewed the sport, so I love to see it. He's only 33 right now, and I'm not saying I'm not teasing any kind of comeback, but is there any lightweight that you have, Khabib, less than minus 250 at even now? Islam. No, they, well, they would never fight in a million. <laughs> that was the question. That was the question I asked. All right, oh, interesting. God. Fair enough. Um, more news and notes. So this is a name I brought up a little bit pre-show and didn't give you guys fair warning, but excitement nonetheless. UFC signed an undefeated bantamweight 
Kusain Askabasha. I'm going to get this wrong, but Askabov. And uh, for the listeners, you know I'm a big prospect guy. This is a guy I don't have my finger on yet. Just did a little bit of wiki capping as Kobe brought the name up. And man, am I excited to watch this tape. He's got multiple heel hooks, multiple flying knee knee finishes, a lot of chokes. I mean, he sounds like my kind of fighter. I just very excited to dive into the tape. No, it's awesome stuff. And and you can never get enough of these guys that just make you excited to see who's the guy who has to sign that dotted line to fight him in his debut. Mm -hmm. Kayla Harrison staying with the PFL. Yeah, I saw that. Wasn't it like a record deal too? Wasn't it like a record deal too? What I heard was that uh, the UFC and PFL laid out the same numbers and that it was a much easier decision for Kayla to stay where she was knowing that the money was going to be the same and the competition was not. I mean, I don't know. The other thing too that's interesting is PFL is owned by ESPN. So at least the rights are. I don't know if if the whole league is, but it's, so it's interesting that they would compete with because they have the rights for the UFC, but I don't know. Probably, I'm probably thinking super small scale, to be honest. Um, I don't want to get too bogged down into this, but Islam on with Brett Okamoto earlier this week was talking about what happened when he went down last week with the RDA fight when it was, I don't know, Dana made a comment where he went to bed thinking that it was signed on the dotted line, whatever, and then obviously it didn't happen. Apparently, well, the way Islam tells the story is there was a very small condition that couldn't be met by the UFC that wasn't the r- rumored million-dollar bonus um, and just couldn't make it happen. But we still don't know what that was. I mean, it's got to be a title shot, win or lose, right? That's, I mean, that's the only yeah. thing I can think of. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, my guess would be money, but... It doesn't seem – what I've noticed with, with that Habib camp is they've never really cared about money. I think they're just – I think they're already just loaded. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I And looking how that how RDA looked, I don't know. That's a tough fight to go in completely unprepared for a certain fighter. Mm-hmm. That would have been an interesting spot, nonetheless, betting that RDA-Islam matchup. I'm yeah, sure definitely. Islam. Anyways, we're moving into fight announcements slash changes this week ricky glenn's out terrence mckinney is in versus drew dober we're gonna get to there when we get to the main card this week um two weeks from now lero murphy out david onama in against nate landwehr man that david onama's a gamer Mm -hmm. um april 30th gerald mearshart versus christoph joko Wait, now to take a quick step back, wasn't was that Onama stepping in or Landwehr stepping in? I thought that Onama, Onama, step, Onama was, stepping in. Okay, I had that mixed up in my head for some reason. Could, let's go. Um, because Onama just fought Benitez, right? Like right. Two weeks ago, yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah, I think it was Mowgli. Yeah. Yeah, Mowgli had him in the first, and then got knocked out in the second. Never had him. <laughs> Um, all right, we mentioned Mirshart Joko headlining that event on a- April 30th. We have Bob Font and Marlon Chito Vera. Very fun mm. matchup. Very fun indeed. Bobby Font, baby. 
Got a couple of announcements for May 7th. We have Francisco Trinaldo and Danny Roberts. Trinaldo sticking around for another fight. That's a tough, tough matchup for him, but maybe we see him pull off something crazy. Randy Brown and Chaos Williams. Another tough matchup. This one for Randy. And then this will be on the main card of this 5-7 event. It's UFC 274, Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. Yikes, UFC. How are you booking my guy, Tony? Like that. Give him a winnable fight. Come on. Poor Tony. <laughs> it really feels like the UFC has just mismanaged his career so badly. Like, when he was at the top of his game, uh, all, all anyone wanted to do was see him fight the best of the best. Never could ha- make it happen and completely missed the window on him. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Tony's one of the guys, too, that I think is, like, one of the more unlucky, like the way his whole career's gone. Like I've never seen a fighter going an 11 fight win streak against top talent and get nothing but a interim title. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he wasn't a funny personality. Like I, it's just a, the whole thing is just ridiculous. We've got a title fight announced on the pay-per-view afterwards, 275. Valentina Shevchenko and Tyler Santos. Fun one. Let's I mean, it's just go. the next one to the chopping block, in my opinion. War Valentina. <laughs> Literally, though. Like, it's just like next man up to just, you know, get shit on. <laughs> um, we're all the way out in July now, but July 2nd, Stipe Miocic and Tai Tuivasa. And I brought this up to Kobe, but the first thing that I thought of when I heard this announced was, so are we kind of just done with the whole John Jones heavyweight narrative? I thought that we were holding out Stipe to have the John Jones fight. I mean, I won't lie. I won't lie. I've written off the John Jones fight for a while. And I think that his antics at the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame ceremony. ceremony was the kind of like, I was, that's where I officially was like, I'm done. I'm not, that's, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not, not biting. I don't know. We just had a conversation about Greg Hardy. I have to believe that Dana wouldn't hesitate to throw him back in the octagon. It's more like, I don't, I don't know if he's going to do it. I mean, like, I don't know where his head's at. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I don't really like, I could be on a total like wishful thinking, like whatever, but it's hard to know where, where John Jones, like he said, he's going to make this heavyweight move. Like what? Two years ago, three years ago. I he originally know. said it like four years ago. And, then and he put still it on jaws. Hold. He still jaws with Izzy too. Like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what his deal is. The last piece of news and notes. This isn't really even a signed fight, but this is just a fun one that I want to tease y'all with. Um, apparently Yair Rodriguez and Brian Ortega are talking trying to get that dotted line signed there. Yeah. I've heard that in the windmill or the rumor mill. Um, I, I just, um, I love that 145 pound division. There's just so much fun to be had there. Yeah. That's an interesting want from the Yair side. I feel like Brian Ortega is not like the most fun slash stylistic matchup for him, but 
Because I think I think Ortega could take a limb home with him that for that fight. Um, I think you're right, and and I think that's what it's going to end up being. But I have two additional um, news and notes, fight announcements. I think this is on the Bellator Hawaii card. We have uh, Patchy Mix against Kyoji Horiguchi for the belt, and we also have. Sergio Pettis versus Hafian Stotts for the belt. Hafian's wow. the guy that just beat Magomed Magomedov. Very yeah. excited for that. Yeah, that's I, both of those fights. I mean, dude, Bellator's putting on some good things, man. They mm-hmm. are. I, I've been a big fan of a lot of their fight cards recently. So that's, I mean, that's always good stuff. And I guess I'll go back to doing that type of news and notes thing as well, because Dan, you mentioned it. But we have quite the week leading up to UFC. We got one championship tomorrow, Eagle FC tomorrow, PFL on Friday, and then LFA on Friday. And then we have UFC Fight Night and Bellator 276 on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So there's no shortage of, of fights. I mean... The Bellator 276 this week is 17 and 1 Adam Borix versus Mads Burnell, ex UFC. Phil Davis is in the co main. I mean, you're going to watch some like enjoyable, fun fights. Very much all so. weekend long. Mm-hmm. So wild. Yeah, you know where the ankle pick team will be glued to our TV. Tweet us if you're watching. We'll, show, yeah. we'll, we'll be we'll, sure to give we, you some tips. We'll be tweeting for a lot of those events. I'll, I know I'll be watching. I should be watching LFA. I definitely be watching Bellator UFC. So we'll keep in touch. Okay. Now let's get uh, – is that it, Country Club, for the news? That's it. Cool. Let's get on to UFC Fight Night, Tiago Santos, Ankalaev. Kobe, you want to do me the honors of just telling me what Vegas this is at this point? This is Vegas 50? 5 Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's actually, that's quite a bit. But we got 14 bouts. That's me knocking on wood, hoping it stays 14. Card's going to be on ESPN Plus, and it starts at 3 p.m. Eastern. So don't, or don't, yeah, don't shy away from booking up your Saturday nights because this is a children's card. We're getting to bed early. 50 fucking cards in the Apex. It's wild. Ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. But Cannot wait watch- to get back to these fight nights in Columbus and, and, and London and everything. I mean, I know it's right around the corner, but I cannot stress it enough. I also kind of think that the Apex will be in use for many, many years to come as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially after the report, I think Kobe said it on News and Notes a couple of weeks ago, uh, them increasing the capacity and JSP talking about how much room there's actually in there. I'm sure yeah. it could become a much better, uh, I guess, just energy of venue and, and, and all the things that go along with it. But right now, I'm pretty sick of the Apex. The other thing, too, that's impressive, I guess not impressive, but um, interesting dynamic, is the Tough is filmed there. And so mm-hmm. is Contender Series, which it won't matter because that's Tuesday. But for Tough, you need that gym available all the time. So we'll probably have like a, a couple months when they're filming that where we have fight nights all over the country, which is cool. Oh, yeah. All right, let's talk Turkey. Tefan Chukwi is opening up the card against Amzamat Mirzakhanov. And this is a light heavyweight bout. 
both contender series alums. The line is 170 favoring uh, Merzikhanov, plus 150 in, in going in Chukwi's way. But this is a, a big but. The line actually opened, flipped. It was 145 in Chukwi minus plus 125 for Merzikhanov. And now it's flip-flopped and then even ran even higher here. So initial thoughts, Dan. Yeah, I tend to agree where the betters have pushed this line. Um, this is Tafan's second career fight at light heavyweight. I remember at, in his 185 fights, he would always have speed problems being the bigger guy and slower. Um, and then also gas tank problems having to cut so much weight. He did look better against slow Mike Rodriguez. But that was such a great stylistic matchup for him. It felt like Mike just stayed exactly at range, was st standing on the end of Tafan's punches, um, just getting pieced up while he let Tafan lead the dance. And Mirzakhanov is not going to be the same kind of task. He's a really solid striker. He's going to be a lot faster than Tafan. Um, and I think he's going to have a lot better cardio too. Uh, I like his KO power, although that's not what I kind of put at the top of the list. But what really impressed me about his striking was his distance management. He's great at staying on his toes, staying mobile, uh, bouncing around, closing distance, rushing in, landing those overhands. But um, what I think is going to do it for him here is his wrestling. And I think that his wrestling and his top pressure is going to be able to win at least three to three minutes around. I like, I, I I'm comfortable saying he's, he's great at, Closing the distance, I think he can easily get Tafan's back up against the cage and get in on the hips and win some rounds. Yeah, I I mean, I, I pretty much echo everything you say. The big things that stood out to me was Chukwi's speed, especially at 85. He was extremely slow. They also are both built weird. Merzikhanov especially could fight at 85. He's like 5'11 or 5'10s. 60 some 69 inch reach something like that it's it's nothing impressive he's not a true light heavyweight and he doesn't really move like a true light heavyweight either like you said very light on the toes lower volume but in and out quickly mm -hmm. and it has really weird power if you watch him all of his fights are on youtube actually or a lot of them all the most recent ones and there's a lot of interesting tape where you know, his power's on display, his pressure wrestling's on display, which is rare. He has zero takedowns in the UFC. I mean, it's only been three minutes, but he uh, he's a really well-rounded, talented fighter. I think I fear laying the 175 because of Chukwi's size. I mean, he has a 77-inch reach. It's like six or seven inches on him. And he also- I mean, this is a guy, though, that- knocked out Iwan Kutalaba in Sambo. I don't think he's going to be too afraid of Tafan's power. And no, he's not. He's not at all. And he's 10 and 0 for a reason. But I think Vegas mixed the early line pretty bad. The other thing too, that I like Dan is the over the over one and a half. And it seems weird because Mirzakhanov has got nothing but first round finishes. And Chukwi seems like a finisher, even though he goes to the uh, scorecards quite a bit. But the one draw that I had from both these men is they're very tentative and they pick their spots. And I actually kind of like that a lot. Yeah. Chukwi takes center control, but it, you know, he's, he stays at range and, and Mirza Konov is a very low volume striker. 
I think this is one where we could see a first round that that has 15 strikes total. That would not surprise me. So I think over one and a half could be a good play. I would be too scared to play in the distance, but I don't know. That's something that I kind of was toying around with when looking I'm, at this. I'm, I'm going to end up playing Mirzakhanov for, I think, two units and probably a unit on the uh, over here. And they both kind of have the same principle in my head. Just avoid the power shots from Tafan earlier in the round, and we're golden. Yeah. No, and there really is something to say about that. And then I also think you're in pretty good shape with Merzikhanov. I would just place it sooner rather than later, Dan. I think every day I wake up, this line's just farther along. I'm going to grab it journey. 170 right now as we talk. Yeah. It's going to be I, – I wouldn't be surprised if it closes with a two, Dan. I really wouldn't. I think everyone and their mother is going to be on Merzikhanov. So, who knows? Play it as you will. Next prelim fight. I love the curd jerkers. Guido Canetti, the 42-year-old, is facing Chris Muntanino, who most people know from just being a sack of meat that Sean O'Malley beat into oblivion for 220 significant strikes in three rounds on the pay-per-view court poor A. McGregor. But it is a 135-pound bout. Very winnable fight for both these gentlemen. The line is... 145 in favor of Chris Mutino plus 125 for Guido Canetti. But this is another one where it's flipped on its head. It opened at 125 for Guido Canetti and has gone to Mutino's way. I see this one for Canetti, but like I'm not touching this within a million foot pole. I do also think this one could end inside the distance. I know the line's a little off because Mutino d- showed his chin and the like how durable he is but at the end of the day and the truth of the fact is is Guido Canetti has very poor defensive boxing and throws hard a lot of body kicks to the liver a lot of leg kicks and he's going in there to either be finished or get finished and Mutino although he's durable has a kind of a similar style I mean he's clearly not scared of marching forward I think you can maybe play in the distance it's like even money I think Gunetti is probably my lean to win this, but I'm not touching it either way. I, I kind of think this is like, this really should be the curtain jerker. This fight's a weird one that I'm shocked both these guys are here to be completely honest with you. Yeah, no, nothing technically to add, just that I marked Moutinho down as a future fade the second I knew he was doing this short notice gift to the UFC and stepping in to fight Sean O'Malley. And... We wait, what was it, five, six months for this fade, and they give you a 42-year-old Guido Canetti, and I'm not backing that guy. Both these guys are on a fade list. Pass, pass, pass. The other thing, too, about my under or in the distance is Mutino's coming six months off taking 225 significant strikes to the dome, so... I don't care. How... In that fight. I know people are like, and me, me as well, I was very impressed with his chin and not going out. But he got stunned a bunch in that fight. It wasn't like he was knocked out on his feet. It ended up being a TKO, but yeah. So I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if his button just turns off. Cody Brundage is fighting Dolce Lungimbula at 185. The line here, Lungimbula minus 120, Cody Brundage plus 100. It opened at 110. So a little bit. On Lugimbula, but nothing crazy. I would say this hasn't moved much at all. I don't have a ton on this fight. Brundage, I see it with a solid wrestling background, but I also see him falling flat 
and really flat every time he takes a major step up in competition. Um, I know that that Maximov fight was short notice, but he really had nothing for Nick on that night. I think he's going to sell out for takedowns here and try and make this 15-minute wrestling match against Dolce, but I just don't know if that's going to work. Dolce, as green as we've talked about him being, has made the move recently to San for MMA. I have to assume that he's kind of filling in those holes, becoming more well-rounded, even though, I mean, he just he hasn't had the octagon time to really show it. Um, this is another one I'm just not going to be playing. I think that Dolce is going to try and clinch with Cody and drag him to the mat. I I, I don't see this being a super exciting striking match. Um, I tend to lean Dolce the way that people are betting just because I've seen him perform better against slightly better competition, but that's not enough for me to place a tracked wager or even play it for fun. Yeah. I mean, the truth of the matter is Cody Brundage, a guy who's faced two people at UFC caliber, Nick Maximov and William Knight lost both of those fights, got finished by William Knight on contender series and lost to Maximov. Like you said, really had nothing for him. Lugia Mbula on the other side is this 34 year old African fighter who I think he fought on the African regional scene for a while and won a belt in EFC, which is the African regional scene. And what's remarkable is he beat Alan Baudot in 26 seconds, which is, I just learned now, but he, he fights at 85 and he is like cut from stone. But like you said, he has gone his entire career using his physical dominance and his size to get him these wins. And you've seen it even in the UFC where he just muscles people off him from size where I'm not feeling comfortable backing him really at all. I mean, he hasn't shown me anything other than the fact that he's extremely strong. I think I lean Lugiambula, but like I, I haven't seen enough from either of these guys to really make a play. Yeah, I'm more excited to see what Dolce brings to the table here than I am trying to back him in any way. I think that I'm right. Not, I think I'm really hoping that the move to Samford is going to do numbers for his fight IQ, for his well-roundedness, for everything you said. He's got the strength. He's got the athleticism. Let's see if he can get the fighting, but I'm excited. Do you know how long it was since he moved to Samford? I think it's just this last camp. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we might see some new things too. Doesn't Mark Andre Barrio also train at Sanford? Wouldn't surprise me. I think me. it was I'm after sure. his. I think it was after this most recent loss to MAB. I thought Mark Andre Barrio trained in some like French Quebecian gym or something. I don't know. Um, Miranda Maverick facing off against Sabina Mazo, women's one twenty-five. Miranda Maverick, rightfully so, massive favorite here at minus three twenty. Sabina Mazo. Plus 250. The line opened at Miranda Maverick minus 150 and just got absolutely hammered. Sabina Mazo is recently like slash fresh on my mind because she faced both the girls that we uh, taped last week Agapo, uh, uh, or Agapova and uh, Marina Moroz. Moroz. Yeah. So I, I taped her. So all I had to really do was tape Miranda Maverick and I remembered everything I saw. Miranda's one of my prospects that i've been watching for a while she's young i think 24 um although she is two she's on two fight skid against barber and blanchfield that's the upper echelon of talent for and you can say what you will about that barber decision yeah that too that too so 
Um, I mean, I, I don't have an ad here. I know that apparently Kobe's placing one unit for the system to see if it's a thing, but or we know it's a thing, but just playing the science. But for me, I, I got nothing, Dan. I don't, I think Sabina Mazzo really actually is more talented than she gets credit for. I like Miranda Maverick, but at 330, that is the definition of untouchable. Woman's favorite parlay piece. <laughs> you heard it here first. Some random guy just said that. It totally wasn't Dan K. Wagers. It could not no, have been. never Wagers, talk right? about a woman's favorite uh, and, and him risking his own money on that. However, we've got a Miranda Maverick woman's parlay piece favorite. Okay, so you already can write that off. But so you're are you are you being serious? Is it going to be on your? I've, I've got it. I've I don't have a parlay built out with it, but I've got it listed um, along with three other fighters tonight that I think are going to end up in a parlay of mine come fight night. All right, there you go. Trevin Jones is fighting Javid Basharat. Basharat making his UFC debut. Basharat also sitting at the current favorite minus one fifty. Trevin Jones plus one thirty. This open though at Basharat. Minus 175. So Trevin Jones has seen a little bit of action, moving it 25 cents. I mean, Dan, this one's interesting because Trevin Jones has shown mixed results in the UFC, to say the least. On the other side, you got an 11 and 0 undefeated got 26 year old making his UFC debut that fights out of Extreme Couture. So I don't know. He just beat, by the way, a 16-0 Orion Kalan in the Contender Series via guillotine. You can watch that tape. It was pretty – it was – I mean, it's right on YouTube. So, wild. Yeah, I – this is one I'm really excited for. Stylistically on paper, it's got all the makings for a prospect that I would jump on in Javid. He's a great grappler, extremely good takedown defense, good good scrambling, and um, can throw up some good chokes, whether they're anacondas or darces or, or guillotines or whatnot. Um, the, the move to extreme couture is a little interesting because it's less so that he moved. And I think that after his most recent fight, whether it was contender series or whatnot, he just stayed in Vegas. He's very close with Amir Al-Bazi. Wow. And the two of them were just like, yeah, we're not going to travel back to um, wherever. I don't have this information in front of me. But Thank we're not going to travel back. We're going to join Extreme Couture, stay in Vegas, and take this seriously. Um, and so that should be a pretty good bonus, I think, in his in his preparation and his fight IQ, just getting to work with the much better body, bodies, getting to roll and, and drill with these guys and the in and out. The one thing that is holding me back the competition on the regional scene doesn't seem like it's that great. And I'm more excited to see if Javid is the guy I think he is. I think stylistically, there's a great matchup for him. Trevin Jones can wrestle, but like isn't great off his back, suffers with his gas tank when he has to grapple for 15 minutes. Um, also, didn't he have a stint at 25 or has he always been 35? I think he's always been at 35, but I, I could oh, be wrong I, there. I, I swore he either before he was in the UFC or nah, I guess he, he had a catch weight with teamer at 40. So I'm sure he's always fought at 35, but long story long, everything I'm seeing out of Basharat is making me want to back him. 
but I can't bring myself to just with so many question marks about who he's actually fought and what he's actually seen. I'm excited for this one. This one I'll be glued to my TV. But I think that I might be be, big on Bachrat To be fair to to him, on his regional scene, including Contender Series, yeah, there were some bad, like, why is this guy fighting mixed in? But he did beat a guy who was 5-0. and He did beat a guy who was 11-1. and And he also beat a guy who was 16-0. and And that was most recently. So, like, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the reason why I'm not betting it is because other than the contender series, I couldn't really find anything on him. And that's not enough tape for me to comfortably bet anything. Big time. And, and as much as the records are there, the promotions that are contenders Norwich and octagon with a K aren't really anything that we've seen with, I mean, we, we talk about a lot of prospects coming up off regional scenes in Europe and some like Norwich based UK, like smaller, smaller, smaller than cage warriors doesn't impress me. Right. Also, I realized I missed a fight. Damon Jackson's fighting Kamala Kirk featherweight bout under Trevin Jones. It's either I missed it or tapology just slid it in without me paying attention. I'm assuming I missed it, but that, that line's 110 each way for Damon Jackson and Kamala Kirk. It opened at Damon Jackson minus 145. I do believe that Damon Jackson was scheduled to fight. He was scheduled to fight Joshua Coolibau, and that fell through seemingly a, a little while ago. Um, I think it was either a little while ago where it just happened. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it was. I think it actually. I actually don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I know. But Coolibau drew, and then Damon Jackson is now fighting Kamala Kirk instead. Um, I don't know if you taped Kamala Kirk and how recently this got added, but he just beat Makwan Amerikani in a unanimous decision. So as far as I'm concerned, he's a guy that I, I hold in high regard. I think I, not, I think I had a multiple unit bet, um, on Kamala in that debut against Makwan. He's a guy on paper, similarly to, um, Basharat is just like, hard to not be a fan of he's got slick striking good movement he's a jujitsu black belt but in that maquan fight as i was backing him it was shaky it was sweaty my i I was pacing um he was struggling to hold maquan down damon jackson's a guy who is not gonna gas like maquan is for for lack of a more complicated take it felt like Maklon was having his success just getting back to his feet, uh, scrambling with Kamala Kirk. And I think Damon Jackson is going to be even better at it. I tend to think that on the feet, Damon's not going to have much success. But if this is a 15-minute wrestling match, Kamala's going to be on his back a lot, giving up position a lot, and losing rounds a lot. And Damon Jackson, the finisher from his back, he also is just like a leech. I mean, the man is a phenomenal grappler, like phenomenal, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So 110 each way. Do you have a lean or is it just a straight pass? I've got, I'm passing on this one yeah. just because I, I was big on Kamwella going into that Maquan fight and I'm pulling back a lot of it. I hope he proves me wrong and I can get back on that hype train, but I'm pulling back. All righty. 
So we'll move past Trevin Jones, Jah- uh, Javid Bashrat, and on to J.J. Aldridge is back against Jillian Roberts at 125. The line is Jillian Roberts minus 130, J.J. Aldridge plus 110. Jillian Roberts opened at 160, minus 160, so it's come down a little bit. Dan, dogger pass, you playing the science? You skipping all together? Where are we? I, I told Kobe this afternoon that I wanted to bet Jillian. And I've completely come off that stand. Um, as, as good as her jujitsu is, I just won't be backing her paying a favorite price, even though it's very slight. Aldrich is a very good boxer. She's going to try and keep this on the feet where she has the slight advantage. Um, like I said, Jillian's one of the best grapplers in women's MMA. She's a thub, sub-threat at any time. But she does tend to value submission over position. Like I just said in the Kamala Kirk fight, that could lead you to losing a lot of rounds. Um and one interesting thing I noticed was that J.J. Aldrich is a teammate of Miranda Maverick, who mm-hmm. just ran through Jillian pretty easily. All, I think it was all of eight months ago, maybe. I think it was two fights ago on both of their records. But um, listeners will know that I like a coach that's preparing for the same fighter again after having already had a lot of success against them. And I will not be paying a favorite price for Jillian Robertson here as much as I like her jits. All right. Well, now we're starting to get in some heat because we got the prelim capper, which is a pretty good fight. And then the main card, which all look to be pretty good fights as well, at least from an entertainment standpoint, Matt Semselberger is fighting AJ Fletcher. Who's nine and oh, I believe in his UFC debut at one seventy. there. The line there is Semselberger minus two ten, Fletcher plus one seventy five. Opened at minus 205 for Senselberger, so literally almost no movement. And I didn't but find a ton of tape on, on Fletcher. I, so, yeah, he – so the tape um, – where – it was – oh, the only tape I could find was the Contender Series, and it ended so fast. Um, it was that flying knee finish. Kid's a gamer, but he opened up at 170 favorite in that, in that Contender Series and finished it with the flying knee. And so I, I personally am not going to go off two minutes and 30 seconds of tape. Yeah. So it's a tough spot. I did notice that AJ has good takedowns. He likes to wrestle. Um, and as much as Semselberger has good jujitsu, what I've seen from him in his last couple of fights is he's sniping. He's looking for those knockouts. They're quick, quick first round KOs. And I posed the question to myself, what happens if this fight goes a full 15 minutes? Because I tend to favor the grappler, even though I've seen nothing from him. I'm really, really hesitant to to play this. I don't think I'm going to end yeah. up playing this. If but, you're hesitant, lay off. But Discipline makes winners, baby. You're damn right. But I think that Fletcher, by decision, is going to be what happens in this fight. And I think that there's a great number that goes along with that if someone's trying to sprinkle something for funsies. One thing, though, is Semselberger, unanimous decision win over Carlton Minus, and then his other two UFC wins are 16 seconds and 15 seconds. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm right. saying. We've got, we've got a situation where Semselberger, clearly, if he's given range and the ability to snipe, and if AJ doesn't have the defensive striking to handle it, Semselberger's going to knock his ass out. But if this right. fight goes the full 15 minutes, AJ Fletcher is not Carlton Minus. And I'm pretty comfortable saying that he's not Carlton Minus in a pretty damn good way. Yeah. So I no, that's fair. The, the wrestler. No, that's a, yeah, that's fair. 
I, I won't argue that. Mm-hmm. A, I mean, AJ Fletcher for me to make place a bet. I need to see more film, and I just don't have enough. All right, main card starts with an 85 pound bout. Bruno Silver, ver, ver, Bruno Silver, Silva, blah, 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 versus none other than Alex Pereira coming back in his second UFC fight. Dan got Rick rolled by this line. He did not see it as high as it is when we did set the spread for those who listen. But Alex Pereira is minus 170. Bruno Silva plus 150. Pereira opened at 170 as well. So it has really not seen a whole bunch of action. Dan, for me, we know what Pereira brings to the table. We got the little bit of tape on how he's going to defend the takedowns and be in the clinch against Michaelitis, and that knockout is what Pereira does best. I think Bruno Silva stylistically is an interesting matchup, and he's humongous as well. He's jacked off his ass. So, I man, I, <laughs> this one to me is, is Bruno Silva going to kickbox with this man? Like, is he? I could, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm glad you will, asked the but... question because that's what Bruno Silva is saying in these pre-fight interviews. And I tend to say grain of salt, whatever he's saying. Oh, I'm going to stand and bang with him. He's going to shoot no in the first 30 seconds. Yeah. He, he better fucking shoot in the first 30 seconds. I don't understand the people betting Alex Pereira here. I understand that he's one of the most dangerous strikers maybe to ever make the walk in the UFC. But it's still mixed martial arts and he's still KO, KO or bust for me. Um, Br- Bruno Silva is not Andreas Michaelitis. He's not going to gas after trying to hold Alex on the fence for five minutes. Um, Alex, got, he's, I mean, Bruno has the black belt in jiu-jitsu. Bruno has the takedowns. He is huge. He is durable. I just don't understand people backing Alex here. And What I, about the over-under? That's an interesting one. The line's egregious, though. I haven't even taken under it. under one and a half. What do you think the over under for one and a half is? Under minus two hundred. So unders minus one sixty five, but one and a half. The under two and a half is minus three seventy. That's gross. I know that's an unbettable line, but just I, I the idea of the under toyed in my brain, but that line's unappealing. That line's honestly so bad it makes me want to take the over. <laughs> But I'm for not real. going to because that's throwing money in the trash. I mean, the sharp bets for this fight are the over and Silva. It's the guy who's going to grapple versus the guy who has shown that he literally can't grapple. And I I know that he's so dangerous. And I know he's over there working with Glover. Four or five months of working with Glover, it doesn't just, like, rub off on that. You're not all of a sudden a UFC no. caliber, like, takedown defense or no. UFC caliber submission defense. It's different. It's no, not and Greg just pick Greg up. Hardy last week is a great example of that because the guy who spends 24 hours a day drilling wrestling at ATT and he still got rolled through like a warm knife through butter. I mean, this sport is so different from every others because there's just straight up levels to it. And mm-hmm. you can't beat around a bush, you can't cheat it, you can't do anything about it. There's levels to the game. And, and it's hours, it's years in the gym. It's years, forget hours. Years. It's years. Yeah, it's not hours, it's years. Um and and experience of like go getting humbled over and over and over and over and over again. And I don't know though, because you look at Pereira and then you look at Adesanya and it's like, it can be done. I don't know. The whole thing's interesting, but for me, this is one of those where it's get your popcorn, get your drinks and enjoy. 
but don't expect to make a bet or a lot of money on this one. Yep. Next fight up, Drew Dober against Terrence McKinney. Terrence McKinney stepping in on ultra short notice for Ricky Glenn. RIP Rick Glenn. I love that guy. He's not actually dead. He's just hurt. But, like, I love Ricky Glenn. So, sad to see him off. But Terrence McKinney's an exciting guy. Drew Dober, though, still getting the favorite tag at minus 165. Terrence McKinney, plus 145, even though he's had two crazy stops in a row. Very little blind movement. Danny, you're a Drew Dober guy, but you're also a Terrence McKinney guy. So where's your head at on this one? I know there hasn't been a ton of time to think, but for me, I I thought this fight was a little more cut and dry for Dober. And after McKinney's submission performance last week, I don't know anymore. I'm not really sure how this fight's going to play out. So I'll say where I'm at. I'm on two units on the under two and a half at minus 160. And my reasoning is, it's obvious on the Terrence McKinney side. 11 of his 12 victories are first round. And not to mention some losses that are also inside the distance. But he's a really strong grappler, especially when people are dry, as Reese just mentioned. He's a really strong striker. He comes out there and throws everything at you in the first three minutes. I'm, I mean, we, I'm not sold on it just because I haven't seen it in, in terms of Terrence's cardio. But especially if McKinney's going to sell out for a sub or if the wrestle, if he takes a wrestle-heavy approach, which we've seen Drew Dober susceptible to, um, I think he, I mean, Islam we won't talk about, but um, he's been taken down, I think, over three times in every single one of his last five fights. So I think that Terrence is going to go out there and try and get him to the mat real quick and sub him. Yeah, you've been on that take for a while on McKinney gas tank, or like at least last week's card too. I don't disagree with you. The underline's a little steep, but that would be, I think, the best route for both these guys. Right, and even if Terrence doesn't get it, I see Drew Dober coming on really strong later with the combinations that we know he has, and we know he has serious power for this division too. I see a scenario for, I see multiple scenarios for Terrence in round one. I see multiple scenarios for Dober in round two. And the extra half around, I, I don't think it'll even come to that. I'll, I'll take the under two, but give me two and a half. Yeah. Cleo Roundtree, nine and five, a little bit more of a name than his record would suggest against Carl Roberson, nine and four contender series alum. This fight is taking place at 205, where Cleo Roundtree is most comfortable. Uh, Roberson, mainly known for a middleweight, at least what I know him for, but this fight will be up at 205. The line is Roberson minus 125, Roundtree plus 105. It opened, though, at a direct flip. Cleo Roundtree minus 175, Carl Roberson plus 150. I think that I got my set the spread point for having Cleo Roundtree as a favorite. I think you did. And it hurt you just us going early because I was closer to Vegas and all the sharp money came in and has bumped it all the way down to Roberson being the favorite now, albeit slight, but still a lot of movement and a lot of people backing Roberson. Even though going up in weight to 205, it seemingly isn't deterring any of the betters here. Yeah, and I, I'm not, I don't think I'm backing Roberson. Um, I actually do have it written down. Never mind. I, I am going to back Roberson. These are two primary strikers. The reason I like Roberson in this matchup is because he's just so much better, so much com- more complete 
of a mixed martial artist. We talked about it for the last couple fights um, in Pereira and a um, couple more. I can't remember. But you look at Roberson's record, and literally every single one of his UFC fights is a submission. At zero point in this fight, it, is Khalil Roundtree going to be a submission threat? I think that as long as Khalil um, isn't going to put him out in the first, like, two minutes, Roberson's going to be able to survive that early onslaught and then start landing the better of the counters, start touching up uh, Khalil Roundtree, and um, really just be able to work this fight wherever it goes. And I don't say the same for Khalil. I, I don't think that um, – I don't think that Khalil can grapple even if he cho- so chooses. And I think that Khalil is going to gasp before Carl Babyface wrote, what is it, Baby Cakes, Babyface, Baby K. Baby K, yeah. Baby K. Um, do you think the under two and a half minus 150 could be a shot? I haven't thought too much about the over-under. I, I have to okay. be perfectly honest. No, uh, I, I do think honest. that Roundtree is going to come out there and try and put Roberson out in the first. And I think that Roberson will gain momentum as that fight wears on. I don't know. I, I'm not seeing the Roberson side of the under one and a half, which is one thing that I like. I mean, going just back one fight to the Dover McKinney, I can see both sides yeah. of the under. Or no, going last saying, week to but... the Spivak Hardy, you could yeah. really see both sides of that under. I don't see the Roberson side, but I do see Roberson over the course of 15 minutes being able to prove that he's the better fighter. Okay. I, 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 I see that take. So we teased this idea for an ankle lock, but Danny and I are going to take all the time necessary and probably not release the ankle lock until Friday. As always, that's on Twitter. So not only do you get looks at giveaways for Panini prison packs, you also get ankle locks that are 36 and 44, 14, 36 and 14 with six and one on the year. Um, so stay tuned to the ad ankle pick pod on Twitter for that stuff. But before, so this is the one we tease Sadiq Yusuf against Alex, Alex Caceres, Sadiq Yusuf at minus 240, Caceres plus 195. Line open at Yusuf minus 225, so not like a crazy movement. Um, but definitely a little bit of action to move it 15 cents in Yusuf's, Yusuf's favor. I mean, there's definitely definitely things to go off of for Yusuf. And obviously, Caceres, the dude's been around forever. But Caceres has strung together like four or five wins. And Yusuf has been inactive for a year and a half or two years. So what I pose to you is, is the line a steal now because of those elements? Like, is it way lower than it should be because Caceres is on a five-fight win streak and Yusuf has been inactive? Or are you touching something that we shouldn't necessarily be touching because of the momentum? Oh, I think very much it's a steal at this price. This is my most confident play on the card. Um, he, Sadiq's just a much better striker. And one thing that Caceres hasn't had to deal with, with the likes of Chase Hooper and Steven Peterson, is a legit striper, striker with legit power. Um, the Arnold Allen loss that was what uh a year ago i think it, it was his last fight like you said there's been a long layoff but that was, was over ufc loss yeah um and and i just think that it's a much different matchup for him 
Caceres is not some crazy takedown threat. He's more of a jujitsu threat. He's not some crazy kickboxing threat. Definitely not against Sadiq. Um, and Sadiq's going to be able to keep this fight on the feet pretty easily. Uh, march down Alex and, and just land at a much, much, much higher volume. Piece him up. Really just stalk him. And, and I'm really confident in it. I like Sadiq Youssef. I'm going to be playing it for three units at the minus 230. Wow. That's a big I one. like Sadiq Youssef inside the distance for a unit at plus 215. I was looking today right before we started recording, and I was seeing a lot of Sadiq KOTKO lines at less than 200. And then five dimes, our favorite book over on this show, has 215 for inside the distance. Had to jump on it right away. Yeah. Uh, I, I suggest that any listener who likes Sadiq does the same. But I'm going to play Sadiq for three units. I'm going to play him inside the distance for a fourth. And I might throw him in another parlay. I love wow. this matchup for him. I love this line for him. Alex Caceres is just not the same caliber fighter that he is. Man, that's some real talk right there. I love to see it. And honestly, I think one of the bigger total assets on one guy we've seen out of you in a long time. Definitely. Co-made event, Marlon Moraes back at it against Song Yadong, a guy who a ton of people are beyond high on, and he's at 23 or 24 years young. And Marlon Marais is on a bit of a skid, and the line dictates where their career trajectories are going. Song Yudong minus 240, Marlon Marais plus 195, and it opened at 180, minus 180 for Song Yudong. So Sharps have hammered it all the way up to 240, unsurprisingly, in my opinion. I mean, my only take is Song Yudong is young and has gotten into compromised positions so far in his young career. Kyler Phillips is a great example of where that happened. Cody Stamen is a good example of where that happened. Um, but but neither, on the of those were, neither of those were striking situations. No, I'm just saying sticky situations in general. I guess you're right. You need to look more at just a striker here with Marlon. But we also know what type of power he brings to the definitely, table. That definitely. And I'm not trying to look past Marlon. That um, is Marlon. I know that... He's made the move to Tiger Muay Thai for this last camp, but his Muay Thai wasn't really the issue. It's the durability, right. the gas right. chin, the chin, and that's all still there. And no offense to Marab. I mean, the cardio that Marab has is a different level. But Song Yudong is a much more powerful striker, is the, is, is the much better finisher when it really comes down to it. His boxing is supreme. His combinations are crisp. Um, he trains at Team Alpha Male, so you know he can defend a takedown. I know Reese doesn't like Team Alpha Male, though, but even Reese can say that they can they create wrestlers, they drill wrestling. Song Yudong no can defend a takedown. No, he can. He can. Now, I don't think he can defend Marlon Marais's takedown, but he that's not the issue here, though, with this fight. Or not Marlon Marais. I meant Marab Davalashvili. Right. But that's not the issue with this fight here, is I don't think Marab – or, I mean – I don't think Marais is going to shoot once. The real question here is, can Song Yudong keep this fight at a pace and a style that he wants? Not what I think he just needs to stay safe for the first, and um, he'll he'll piece him up in the second and third. Song Yudong's a guy that I'm also considering as a parlay piece. Um, Yeah, I, I, I don't think Marlon Stouches him. Add those legs, baby. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously lean Song Yudong. It's the 240 that makes it hard. All right, we got a main event, and it's also probably the biggest favorite on the card. 
We got Tiago Santos versus Magomed Ankalaev, Danny's homie, at 205. Magomed Ankalaev is minus 600 on DraftKings, plus 435 um, for Tiago Santos. And this opened Dan Clencher butt cheeks. We missed value. Magomed Ankalaev at minus 158. Talk about life savings. And Sharps have just absolutely beaten this thing into oblivion and is now sitting at minus 600. It's like not even worth adding to a parlay at this point. Right. Just because of the threat. Look, I love Ankalaev. He is fucking phenomenal. He is unbelievable everywhere. But Tiago Santos brings a power with him that it would be it would be fiscally irresponsible for you to put a minus 600 light heavyweight in a parlay. I I mean, I think that especially one that's lost to Paul Craig. Right. With one second left. No, I mean, I I, look, Ankaliyev is fucking incredible. Ankaliyev is, I don't believe is going to have a tough time in this fight. Ankaliyev is going to be able to put his game plan how he wants. I truly believe all those things. But the line is now just untouchable. Yeah, we don't have to go into it too much. Tiago no, no used need. to be one of the most dangerous guys at light heavyweight. Two knee surgeries later, I don't believe that Magomed's really in any danger on the feet. I think he'll be comfortable. Now, Dan, can I throw some ideas out to you? Yep. Under three and a half minus 105. It just depends on what Magomed comes out there. We've seen him able to finish any light heavyweight in the first round. We've also seen him content to just outpoint to a decision. What about Ankalaev by KOTKO plus 125? I think that that's another, I think that's a great line. Honestly, you got a plus in front of it. Um, I don't even feel bad if that. Uh, if you want to get free sub, you can get Ankalaev wins inside the distance plus 120 on the dirty five dimes. Honestly, it might be worth it. Just like a right? There's club, a couple. And sub, club and sub, rear naked choke, like a kind of thing or really look, anything. The way I look at this is this is a five round light heavyweight fight. I think the best way to look at this bout from a betting perspective is figure out how you want Ankalaev and that is it. It's either by decision or in the distance. You're going to get plus money on either pick which one you think and go for it. I mean, I personally lean in the distance. Thiago Santos has shown to be a guy who can get finished, whether it's subbed by Glover Teixeira or knock the fuck out. And so I think Ankalaev is capable of both of those. And so I don't mind playing in the distance over a five-round bout in light heavyweight. But pick your spot, even if it's decision, and play that plus. Tiago Santos is unbettable. The minus 600 is unbettable. I think that's a perfect way to put it. I really do. Um, as long as you got a plus line, you're comfortable getting with, with the value you have. Yeah, that's where I'm at on it. So... I think that does it for UFC Vegas 50 breakdown. We got some news and notes and we got to recap 272 here. Kobe, is there any housekeeping we need to adjust before we wrap up with our famous word? No housekeeping. 
No housekeeping. All right, so we'll catch them when? No live this Saturday, but we will be doing a giveaway. So go to Twitter, and then we'll see you Monday for Set the Spread. Maybe Monday Sunday night. Set the spread. Maybe even Sunday night. Who knows? Wow. Depends what the ankle pick boys are up to. So enjoy the rest of your weeks. Remember during news and notes, if you want to skip back, we laid out the schedule for all MMA action this weekend, and, and that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.